Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. We praise you, God. We love you. We'll continue on in our Living Sacrifice series. And last week we talked about the sacrifice that Jesus made when he went to the cross. No greater love. And we know that he laid his life down for us. Today we're going to talk about uh, our part in this equation. We can't save ourselves, but we do have to play a part in our salvation. Because we have to believe it and obey it. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 today. We knew we would eventually get to this portion of Scripture in this series when we're talking about living sacrifice. Paul wrote to the church, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Today we're going to talk about your reasonable service. Your reasonable service. Let's pray for the lesson today. Lord, thank you for your word, for your presence that we feel this morning. Thank you, Lord, for giving us an opportunity to serve you. Let our hearts be ready to hear the word and receive it today. That we can be better and be changed. Be more like you, Lord. Be ready to meet you when you come. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand for his word. Aren't you thankful for the word of God? The word of God will change your life. Praise God. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for being in discipleship class today. Your reasonable service. We talked about Jesus being a sacrifice. He was the Lamb of God. When you study the Lamb of God and you go back and look at the sacrifices in the Old Testament, the the mirror images of things that would come, you realize it wasn't going to be a very long life for those lambs and goats and different things that uh, were born in the Old Testament because if they were without spot or without blemish, they were headed to sacrifice. Jesus was the lamb without blemish. He was the perfect lamb of God, and he gave his life. He wasn't forced. He gave his life. He said, I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. And so because Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice for us, we are called to serve him sacrificially, that we become a living sacrifice unto him. Whenever we make sacrifices by faith to to God, we're always going to come out better. That's just the way it is. We are a living sacrifice. In Scripture, there's many instances of people sacrificing and God coming through. When Jesus sacrificed himself, God did what he said he would do. And uh, when he was put in the tomb three days later, he rose again. Power over death, hell, and the grave. But we read if you, uh, in the Old Testament, Elijah had prophesied about uh, 
a famine that was coming on the land, a drought and a famine that would come on the land. And it happened just like he said. And after a period of time, God had fed him miraculously, ravens bringing him a piece of meat and he was drinking from the brook that was there. But eventually the brook dried up and the Lord told him, said, I want you to go. I've uh, ordained this widow lady. She's going to sustain you. She doesn't know this yet, but she's already got a plan for her life and she doesn't even know it. Matter of fact, she thought it was the end of her life. When God sent Elijah to find her, he comes upon her just like the Lord said, and she has a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil, and she is getting ready to prepare the last meal that her and her son will eat because she can see nothing left but death for them. She has no idea that God has seen her and her son and ordained her to be a source of supplies of sustenance for her and the prophet. Elijah's hungry. Make me a cake to eat. Make me something to eat. She said, I don't have a cake here. All I've got is a little bit of meal, a little bit of oil. I'm going to dress it. I'm going to bake this. Me and my son will eat this, and then we will die. And the prophet said, well, just do as you said. He said, but give to me first. And if you'll give to me first, the Lord has said that the barrel of meal will not waste and the cruise of oil will not fail until God sends rain back on this land. Now, she could have refused Elijah's request because she's been hungry, but now she's starving. And her child has been hungry, but now he's starving. And even though she knows this is the last meal and death is surely coming, if I can ease our suffering just a bit, this last little bit of food will do that. But Instead of giving in to that, instead of saying, well, I guess that I will, uh, you know, just keep this for ourselves. Sorry, going down the road, prophet. She decided to, by faith, obey what he said. And she had this same dilemma that uh, we have when God talks to us. We can try to save our life now and we'll lose it. Jesus said, if you try to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll definitely save it alive. And she was either save our life now, we're going to die, or I can risk our lives right now and see if we'll live. She chose in faith to sacrifice, and she was saved. You'll never go wrong by giving to God first, being a living sacrifice. What God called the widow to do with her natural physical life, Jesus calls us to do regarding our spiritual lives. For us to become a living sacrifice. Salvation both now and in eternity comes only to those who in faith will sacrifice their lives in total commitment to the Lord. We must serve Him. We must be living sacrifices unto the Lord. It's our reasonable service. We may think, how reasonable was it for the prophet to ask this woman to give up her last meal, but he knew what God was going to do. It's not unreasonable for him to ask her that because he knows God is going to be faithful to his word. And so it's never unreasonable for us to just surrender our lives to him 
We're not losing anything by serving God, but we are gaining everything by serving God. You're not losing nothing by letting go of the world and grabbing a hold to the promises of God. You're going to always be blessed by doing what he asked you to do. When Jesus was headed toward Calvary, he got his 12 disciples together and said, who do the men in this world, who do people now say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist back from the dead, and others say you're one of the prophets, you know, come back. And he said, well, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. That's who you are. Well, in the time that... uh, Jesus came back in the time that he was here. uh, When the Jews thought about the Messiah or about the Christ, they did not think about him as the Lamb of God. They thought that he was going to, it's, it's actually a lot like it is in the world today. They thought that he was going to come and be a politician. That he was going to come and kick Rome out of Jerusalem and set his kingdom up and everything was going to be fine for Israel because he got rid of the Romans. But mankind had a bigger problem than the Romans. They had sin. They needed the Lamb of God. He was the king of kings, all right, but it wasn't time to come in his kingship. It was time to come as his sacrifice. And so, but the Jews thought, well, when the Messiah comes, he's going to kick Rome out. We're going to be restored. The kingdom's going to be restored. Everything will be like it should. But they didn't realize that he was coming as the Lamb of God. And when he began to tell his disciples, uh, after they said he was the Christ, he began to tell them, I'm going to have to suffer. I'm going to be persecuted, betrayed. They're going to torture me. They're going to kill me. Peter, who was Cephas or a stone, became a stumbling block as he tried to rebuke the Lord and tell him, be it far from thee. This this cannot happen to you. You're the Messiah. You're the Christ. This will not happen to you. And the Lord had to rebuke him and said, get behind me, Satan, because Peter was acting like his adversary. He was trying to stop him from doing what he was supposed to do. Nothing or no one was going to keep Jesus from the cross. But this way of the cross will not be for Jesus alone. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 16, 24 and 25, if any man will come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. It's interesting that that word lose means to destroy fully. Both times it's mentioned. So whosoever will lose his life for my sake or will destroy your life fully for my sake, you'll find it. You're never going to find all the peace you could have in God until you let go of everything. You've got to take up the cross. When the cross, uh, when Jesus went to the cross, he went there for all sin, not just some of it. When we take up the cross, everything that is unlike him's got to die. Hello. It's got to die. And listen, Jesus was not trying to bait and switch the disciples about, hey, it's blessings, man, you follow me. It's blessings, it's blessings like this. I'm going to provide, I'm going to give. Yeah, he's going to do all that. But he was never uh, anything but straightforward when he talked about servitude to him, what it would cost. He actually said, listen, you need to count the cost 
of what it's going to do in Luke uh, 14. He said, you need to count the cost and see if you're able to do this. Don't just think, well, I'm going to follow you so I can watch miracles, and I'm going to follow you so I can walk on water and follow you so I can uh, eat of miracle bread in the desert. He said, you need to understand what it takes to be my disciple. You will have to pick up the cross and follow me. Oh, I'm going to follow the Lord. Where's your cross? And if you've got a cross, that means you're a sacrifice. You have decided, I will deny myself. I will uh, let my flesh die. I will let the things unlike God in my life die so I can follow him. I'm talking about walking in his steps, not just following him. You know, we follow people today on social media, people you don't even know, people that don't even know you. Hey, I like this, I like this website. I'm going to follow it. And you're just keeping up with what's going on. That's how a lot of people think following Jesus is supposed to be. I'm just going to keep up with what Jesus is doing. But Jesus, in that sense, uh, hey, it, it didn't even exist uh, today. He, he wasn't like following the news and following the weather. He said, you're going to follow me. You're going to take up the cross. Uh, you're going to walk in my steps. You're going to do what I do. We, we get excited when we said, oh, I'm going to do the things that Jesus did and greater things. Well, guess what? One thing he did And if we're going to do what he did, we're going to take up a cross and we will give our life. Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice. And honey, you and I can do no less. If we're going to be his children, the apple ain't going to fall far from the tree. We're going to pick up the cross and walk and follow him daily just like he did. We've got to have the cross in our life. And yes, the cross is, makes beautiful songs, it makes beautiful poetry, but the cross is a place to die. Nobody, they didn't set up crosses as decorations in that day. Now, now I, I'm not against people with crosses in the yard or churches with crosses, places, things like that. I'm not against any of that. I, what I'm saying, nobody's going to die on them crosses. They set them up in their yards. They put flowers and Christmas lights on them and things like that and light them up, and, and, and they're pretty. The cross that Jesus went to wasn't pretty. The cross that them thieves was hanging on, it wasn't pretty. And let me tell you, the, the cross you're going to carry, sometimes it ain't going to be pretty because it's an instrument. It was always been. It was an instrument of death. Oh, start talking about something happy. You might as well know, hey, Jesus went to the cross for the joy. I'll tell you, there's some joy because of that cross. He said, we die with this cross. We die to a life lived as if we are Lord. Oh, yeah, because we all lived in a time where we did what we wanted to do. I think about in the Old Testament, uh, there were places where it said, in that day there was no king. And so every man just did what he wanted to do. It's like that today. Some people's lives, there is no king. And so they just do what they want to do. They do their own thing. And just let everybody be them. Let everybody do them. Let everybody be their self. Leave people alone. Well, I ain't here to mess with nobody. But I can tell you this, according to Scripture, that we cannot be our own and be saved. You cannot be your own and be saved. The Scripture says, and ye are not your own. Body, spirit, All of it goes to him. 
It's got to be, we got to glorify God in our body and our spirit, which are his. The scripture says it. It says even our bodies belong to him. Our actions, what we do, are meant to glorify him. How can we be the light of the world uh, and glorify him if we're not living like him? If we're not living by his word? We, how, how is, oh boy, I, tell you, I could just, I, I could really meddle. I'm not going to meddle this morning. It's too early for meddling. But I'm, t- I'm telling you this, that uh, we have got to be able to understand some things about the Scripture. And it's not, oh, I, you mean I, got, I can't do this? I can't. Why does people always say, go to that first? Oh, if you're a Christian, you can't do this or you can't do that. Well, if it stops you from going to hell, what's the problem? If it makes you more like him, what's the problem? I don't, I, I don't get it. Uh, he died, and it wasn't a quick death. It was a suffering, torturous death. It was painful. It was humiliating. It wasn't just the physical, but it was the, the mental, the emotional, all the things that he went through just so you and I could live with him forever. And then I want to act like, well... It, he was Jesus. That's what he was supposed to do. Well, I'm his child. There's some things I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. And so we've got to quit living like we're Lord and live a life that declares he is Lord. And so we're going to accomplish this by doing what he says. We've got to do what he says. We... Uh, Matthew 6 and 33 says that we die to seek in our own kingdom that we might seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We die to sin and refuse to let it reign in our mortal bodies, as Paul wrote in Romans 6 and 12, that we might walk in holiness without which no man shall see the Lord, Hebrews 12 and 14. We've got to have these things. We die to our self-centeredness, to our unrelenting pursuit of pleasing ourself. Oh, This world is so caught up in satisfying its own lust. Its own, and people say, when you say lust, they all, their mind goes to the gutter. It's not that, man, people lust after food. They can lust after shoes. They can lust after cars or possessions. It's it's just that they've got to have it. they, They can't be satisfied. And Jesus told us as much that if we kept coming to the wells of this world, we would only continue to thirst and we would always be coming back to drink he said but if you'll take the living water that i give you'll never thirst again it it will quench the thirst for the things of this world Mm. when we die out to this it's trying to fulfill our flesh trying to satisfy our wants and what we think we need the bible says he knows what we have need of we want to live a life that is devoted to pleasing him a lot of people want to be saved. You start talking about heaven, everybody wants to go. There's an old song that said, everybody wants to eat at my table, but nobody wants to work in my field. There's a lot, nobody wants to be refused the meal. Nobody wants to not hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But as Sister Mangan said, he will not say well done if we have not done well. That's a fact. Boy, that that little simple statement from that elderly lady uh, shook me all the way to the bones when I heard her say that because it was so simple but so true. 
He will not say well done if we have not done well. I want to make sure that I am doing what Jesus wants me to do. Hey, they, the world's tried everything else. Why not him? Uh, you know, like I said, in, in that day, they thought the Messiah would be a politician and come and get kick Rome out and set the kingdom up. And, and that's today, in a couple of weeks, there'll be a vote. You know, people are already voting, but there'll be an election. It'll be final. And people are hanging everything. They're hanging all their hopes and dreams on which way it'll turn out. Some, oh, this one's going to make the country better. Oh, this one's going to make the country better. Ain't nothing going to make this country better but Jesus. We don't need another politician. We need the Lamb of God. When he came as a lamb in that day, he, he did what nobody else could do. And if they would just let him, the lamb, because the king is coming back. But right now we're preaching the lamb. Right now we're preaching about the blood. Right now we're preaching the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Savior. And that's what's going to make this world better. One day the king's coming to get his people. One day the king's coming back to reign. But right now we're preaching his sacrifice. And his people are going to have to be a sacrifice. We're going to have to learn that we've got to live a life pleasing unto him. Now that goes against a lot of veins of Christianity today. There's the Christian, the, you know, all the philosophies about just do what you want to do. His grace covers it all. You don't have to worry. You can live like a fool and you'll die as a king. But it won't happen. If you die, live as a fool, you'll die as a fool. I don't want to die as a fool. I want to live for him. The commitment to him is so strong that he would use language in Luke 14 that would describe it as we would hate ourselves, even hate our possessions, even hate our own families. It doesn't mean that we despise them and don't want nothing to do to them, not that kind of hatred, but he said in comparison, our service to him would, would make our relation, any other relationship just dim in comparison to the relationship we have with him. That means nobody, no relationship goes in front of you and him. If you are serving God and your spouse says, I don't want you to serve God too bad because you, you do what you want to do, but I'm going to serve the Lord. If your boyfriend or girlfriend says, well, I don't want to go to church, then find you another boyfriend or girlfriend because I'm not quitting church for you. I'm not going to leave Jesus. I'm not, hey, hey, you might be good looking, but you ain't Jesus. <laughs> you might be good looking, but you didn't save my soul. You didn't die or bleed for me. Uh, I can't uh, sacrifice eternity so I can uh, post that I am in a relationship on Facebook. I, I, I can't do that. I got, to, I got to live for him. I got to follow him. <laughs> Listen, Jesus is not interested and you or me offering some or even most of our life. His call is for us to offer all of our lives to him. Oh, I don't know about that, Pastor. God has been like that since the beginning. When he ever first had a people, here's what he said, Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord, the Lord, our God is one Lord. Verse 5, if it will come up. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, all thy soul, and all thy might. Ah, that heart, that spirit, that soul, uh, all that's his, but even... All the might, that's, that's everything I've got, all that I can put out. I'm going to uh, serve him with all my might. Everything that I can give to him, I'm going to give to him all of it. Yep. And that's what Jesus says. When he says, you've got to take up your cross, when he went to the cross, he gave it all. That's why he could say, it is finished. There wasn't nothing left to do. I've done it all. This is the conclusion right here. You're watching the the conclusion of this three years of my time on earth. This is it, and this is final. There won't be another Savior. There won't have to be, we won't have to come back in a few years and and do another one because this one didn't last. It wore out. This is all. This is enough. And when we take up the cross, we're saying, I'm giving all my life to you. The rich young ruler was prepared to commit up to a point. He wanted eternal life, and he was prepared to commit up to a point, but when Jesus asked him to relinquish the one thing that was dearest to him, he mentioned this in his message last week, uh, it was his possessions. That was his treasure. And when the Lord said, you need to let go of this one thing, that one thing he held on to was equivalent to one thing he lacked because he could not He turned and walks away from the Lord. Withholding one thing, in effect, was withholding all. If you won't sacrifice some of it, you're not sacrificing any of it. The Lord wants us, or the Lord wants to have all of us. He does not offer an alternative. There is no other plan. There is no plan A, B, or C. He wants all of us because he gave all for us. It's often been said Jesus is either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. He's got to be Lord of all. So in short, we die to ourselves. We've got to stop trying to be the Lord of our lives and realize that without him, as Jesus said, we can do nothing. Taking up our cross, we dedicate ourselves to the Lord, whatever the cost, that we might obtain what is beyond cost our salvation, our soul. We could not save ourselves. We could not purchase our own salvation. It took his blood. And though the way of the cross is indeed to sacrifice all, it is also to gain all. We gain everything we need when we sacrifice to the Lord. And there's so much, I don't understand the, the problem. You know, uh, the Bible says there would be multitudes in the valley of the decision. I guess that's where they are because there's so much to be gained or lost. Abundant life now and eternal life in the end. I mean, I don't get it. Why not serve Jesus and have the best life you can have? Why not serve the Lord and have the best life going? I don't get it. And then get to live with him forever. But Jesus won't force us. With so much at stake, Jesus still will not force us to take up our cross. He will call, but he will not compel. He will empower those of us who answer his call to bear it, but he will not bear it for us. 
And since he will not force us, there should be some motivation for us to take up our cross. Hebrews said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone and then bring many sons and daughters to glory. He tasted it so he could bring us to glory. Jesus endured unimaginable suffering for the joy of saving us. The joy of seeing us come to him in an altar of repentance and baptism in his name, being filled with his spirit, that joy of us uh, one day entering in and hearing him say, well done, he said, they can whip me, put crown of thorns on my head, nail me to a tree. I will do that for the joy of saving my children. So in the light of his sacrifice, we take up our cross in a grateful response and sacrifice our lives for him and for his cause. That's the motivation for serving him is because he served us. He gave his life for us. We give our life for him. Yeah, right now we're not under threat of death. Nobody's threatening to lock us up or, or take our lives if we preach the gospel or profess Christianity or live for him. We have got it so easy. My goodness. Yeah, I know the government doesn't like us, but that's about it right now. I know they're trying to pass laws against us. Well, that's about it right now. But nobody is dragging you out of your home, locking you up, whipping you, beating you, or nailing you to a cross. While we are in this time of his grace and his mercies, by the mercies of God, Paul said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies. It's new every morning. It endures forever. It never fails. By the mercies of God, present yourself. Paul, that book of Romans, the first 11 chapters is so beautiful about the gospel and what it does. And he starts out in chapter 1 saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God and the salvation to all them that believe. Man, I, he just, and then he just goes on from there telling us about the love of God. That God commends his love to us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he tells us we're buried with him in baptism, that we can be raised up to walk in the newness of life. And he is on and on about how Christ has set us free and set us free. First 11 chapters, he's letting us know how wonderful it is to be set free, washed, justified, sanctified by the Spirit of God. And then in verse 12, he tells us how to respond to the first 11 chapters. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You will never prove that unless you follow the first part of these two scriptures. You can never prove what the will of God is for your life if you're not uh, a living sacrifice because that's the call to be the sacrifice. You'll never be in the will of God if you're out of the will of God. And when we're not presenting ourselves a living sacrifice, we're out of the will of God. That's not God's will for us. We are to respond 
to his offer of salvation and his gift and his sacrifice by presenting ourselves. Paul's reminding them, by the mercies of God, what were the mercies of God? It was, it was him loving us when we were unlovable. It was him dying in our place on that tree. It was him saying, ah, if possible, take this cup, but if not, I'll do it. He went ahead and went to Calvary when he didn't have to. He died for you and me. That's, that's the mercies of God, that when we were not a people, God chose to make us a people instead of throwing us away. And so Paul said, by the mercies of God, brethren, I beseech you, present yourself, a living sacrifice, your bodies. Because a lot of people say, oh, I know what's inside. Inside me, it's a living sacrifice. If it's inside, it ought to be able to be seen outside. Because if it's really inside, it will. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. He'll be there. Out of the heart are the issues of life, and the issues of our life are being a living sacrifice. And so if it's in there, it'll present itself. And so this is how we respond to the, to the gospel. This is how we respond to what Jesus did, is to live holy, acceptable unto God. It's our reasonable service. That's our reasonable service. As we journey on this pathway with the cross on our back, we are continually to offer our entire life to God in worship, consecration. That doesn't just mean standing and throwing your hands up. Worship is a lifestyle. It's your obedience. Why do you do that? Because that's what the Bible says. I'm living in obedience to the word. That's worship. He's before everything else. You, you, whatever you worship is before everything else. So we become that living sacrifice. And in contrast to the ritual sacrifice of animals uh, that could be offered to God only once, we offer a spiritual sacrifice ourselves as a perpetual offering of devotion and obedience to the Lord. This is a daily thing for us every day, every week. Every year, some you, you hear people, I've been living for God 70 years. You know what? That's 70 years of living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. As living sacrifice, our worship and consecration never ends. You don't retire out of it. Yeah, you don't get seniority and say, I don't have to do that no more. We never die except to ourselves and to this world. As holy, because he said we need to be holy, we are forgiven and sanctified by a spirit and set apart for him. Acceptable to God means we are right in relationship with him and thus we are pleasing to him. The Bible says that uh, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself that, and then we've been given a ministry of reconciliation to be reconciled means to be back in favor or, or standing with God, the right standing with God. That's what reconciliation means in those scriptures. And that's what he's saying to us. If we're going to be uh, acceptable to God, we've got to be reconciled to God. We've got to be in Christ, living an example. He called us out of darkness. We can't live like darkness no more. He said, come out and be separate. Touch not the unclean thing. Paul describes our response to him is consecration and worship as our reasonable service. 
the Greek word translated as reasonable, it can mean two things. It can either be spiritual or rational, and it could be uh, both could apply in this instance because uh, our sacrifice of ourselves is obviously a spiritual act, not physical. And in light of Christ's sacrifice for us, it has set us free from the power of sin. So now we can walk in the favor of God, dwell with him in paradise and eternity. What would be more reasonable or rational of a response than to be a living sacrifice for him? It's reasonable. Yeah, it's a spiritual act, but it is the most rational thought I can think of is he died for me. I'm going to live for him. I've got to live for God. And so you think about, again, about that widow woman that sacrificed, took a chance. She didn't have to. And she did that before she was given anything. She made the decision before they, before she, I, and I'm going to tell you, I don't know that that barrel of meal was ever full. I just think there was enough in it every day. I don't think that bottle of oil filled up to the brim and stayed full. I think there was just enough in it every day. And before she ever saw any glimpse of a miracle, she said, I'll sacrifice. And oh, but how much more us? Paul said, by the mercies of God, I beseech you, you wake up every morning blessed. Ah, hello. You woke up and took a breath this morning, blessed. You got up and got dressed, blessed. You got coffee this morning, blessed. Yeah, come on, somebody. You rode through McDonald's or Dunkin' Donuts or made something at your house, had something to eat, blessed. Took a hot shower, cleaned up, nice. Got in your car, drove here, got here, saw friends, saw loved ones, blessed, 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 blessed. All that God has given us that we've already seen, and still it's so hard for people to sacrifice it just makes sense it's reasonable rational service to God since we are to take up our cross and follow him daily and since in this daily sacrifice we are seeking to be conformed into the image of the one we are following we certainly cannot be conformed to or be like the world To be like the world is incompatible with the way of the cross. I've said this, you can't carry that cross anywhere. It don't go just anywhere uh, in being like Christ. So Paul says this uh, in Galatians 1 and 4. Be not conformed to this. Scripture says he told us don't be conformed to the world. And then in Galatians 1 and 4 he said, Jesus gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. I don't want to cancel out the purpose of his sacrifice. You see, because we, we generalize whether well, he died for the sins of the world. This is it. He gave himself for our sins, not so we could continue in it, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. He died to deliver us, to get us out, to set us free, to release us, to call us out of darkness from this present evil world. That's the world. We don't want to be conformed to this world that Paul was talking about because that's what Jesus died to set us free from. And so we must, according to Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6 and 17, we must 
come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Isn't that wonderful? Come out from among them and be separate. Separation is not isolation. We're not hermits. We're not going to live in a compound or a cave. But we come out from among them. We don't act like that anymore. We're going to be in this world. We're just not of this world. Jesus was in the world, but he's not of this world. He's, he's, he's the Lamb of God. And uh, we are his children filled with his spirit. We are living sacrifices, holy, acceptable unto him. So we come out from among them. It means in our actions, in our thoughts, in our ways, in, in our culture and custom. Let me tell you, and even in culture, because that's a big deal today. People say, oh, you, uh, you want me to give up my culture? My culture, your culture, nobody's culture will ever be greater than kingdom culture. There are things in every culture to celebrate. Every culture, beautiful things in every culture to celebrate. But every culture has something that's got to be let go. That's a, if your culture has something going on in it that's against the word of God, you can't say culture because kingdom cancels it out. And so uh, he said, you've got to come out and be separate. Touch not the unclean thing. Uh, if I'm going to be acceptable and holy to him, I've got to leave that stuff behind. That's why any man in Christ is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are made new. Uh, yeah, you're, you still have the same name and Social Security number, same address, drive the same car, still work at the same place, go to the same school. You're not the same individual. That's right. That's right. I'm just going to move. I thought, I thought of something with my... Holy Ghost said, hush and move. Just keep going. <laughs> it was funny, though. Mm. So, get back to where I'm at. The way we become holy and acceptable to him, how do we prevent from being conformed to this world? Paul said that by, we do this by being transformed by the renewing of our minds. That doesn't happen in a single moment. Don't be discouraged if you came to church, felt God, but you still tied up and stuff. It, it don't always happen in an instant. It's a lifelong process of the Spirit forming in us the mind of Christ. The Bible says, let this mind be in us. It was in, his, in Christ. We want the mind of Christ. But that doesn't just always happen instantaneously once we repent, once we're baptized, even filled with the Spirit, because the Spirit leads us. It leads us. That means there are places we need to go. He's trying to lead us into all truth. That means we don't have all of it when we get it, or he wouldn't have to lead me nowhere. I got it all at once. But he's going to lead me into all truth. That's why it's so important for people to have the Holy Ghost. Hard to find truth if you don't have the spirit of truth. You need the Holy Ghost. So the more and more we come to value what he values, approve what he approves, and rejects what he rejects, the more we become holy and acceptable unto him. Just as Jesus will not force us to take up our cross, he will not force us to be transformed. That is not to say that we can transform ourselves. 
We can't be turning over new leaves that don't work. We could not save ourselves to begin with, so we certainly cannot transform ourselves. The Spirit is what transforms us, but we must put ourselves in a place where the Spirit can do the transforming work. I've always said, you know, he's the, the potter, we're the clay, but we've got to stay on the wheel. If a lump of clay off the wheel is just a lump of clay. It's not going to become anything unless it stays on the wheel under that marring and you ever watch those things the whole time they're working on them? All over the guy that's working on him, he's, just, he's got clay all over him because he's just constantly slinging stuff off. Let me tell you, you're going to constantly be letting go of things right. if you stay on that wheel. But when you're done, when, it, when the spinning stops, you're exactly what you're supposed to be. Well, I just want to stay on so I can be exactly what I am supposed to be. Honey, you can come on to the music and you can stand with me this morning. So in Romans 6 and 13, Paul said this, Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive, being alive from those or as those that are alive from the dead. I want to be uh, in your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. That's how we present ourselves. When Paul said, I beseech you that you present yourselves, this is what he's talking about. We present ourselves by not yielding our members, our bodies, as uh, instruments of sin. But we present ourselves to God as being alive from the dead. Our members, our bodies, as instruments of righteousness to God. We present ourselves to God through our prayer, our, our worship, our consecration, fastings, our, our dedication to his word. You know, that, that's, that's love. You know, when you love God, when we love God, it's going to be more than a feeling. Jesus didn't say, if you love me, have certain emotions and things to say about me. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So we become more Christ-like, Paul says, we'll be able to prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. In other words, we will be able to know and be able to do God's will in every part of our life. The way of the cross, uh, or in the way of the cross, we will fulfill God's will. If you want to know, how can I be in the will of God? Take up your cross and follow him daily. I can't tell you where he's leading you all the time, but he'll tell you. But you just keep walking till you get there. God's working on you. God's doing something great in your life. Trust him. Present yourself a living sacrifice. He did. He was holy and acceptable. And he, he gave his life. So now we just, as our reasonable service, turn it around and take up our cross and follow him. I don't try to be hard with people. I'm not, if Jesus won't force you to live for him, I won't either. Because I can't. A lot of people think a pastor's job is to put his thumb down on people. Why? That don't do any good. God didn't call us to, to win slaves to the kingdom. No, he said, we win children. We get, he wants children. Children. The Spirit beareth witness that we are his children. He wants the people to come in and be his body, to be his bride, not his slave. And so, now I don't know, maybe there's preachers out there like that. 
That's their thing. That's not mine. Because God didn't call me to make slaves or to hold people down or say, you do this and you do you. But I'm going to preach you the word. And I'll tell you without apology, you'll never do better than living by God's word. When we live for him, we'll find that in the end, far from losing anything, we have gained everything. Oh, I lost. No, you didn't. I lost friends. They weren't really friends. I lost this, lost that. Then you didn't need it because the Lord wouldn't call you without supplying all your needs. Let's lift our hands and pray this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for your word for your leading and guiding of your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice, the the body that you laid on that tree, the blood that you spilled to save us today. And Lord, let us now make a decision in this hour that we would present ourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you. Lord, we're not where we uh, maybe need to be, but we're not where we used to be and we're trying to get to where we need to be. Help us today. Lead us in all truth by your Spirit. Help us to be better for the kingdom, to be holy and acceptable unto you. Let us fulfill our reasonable service, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't you love him this morning? By the mercies of God. It's by the mercies of God. Look how good he's been to you. Not by force, not by power and might and hatred and I'm going to make you do that, but by his mercies. I'm thankful for the mercy of God today. Amen. Praise God. Give him one more hand clap and a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Thankful to be his today. I'm thankful to be his today. Praise God. All right. Let's find a place to pray before the next service and get ready. Looking for some great things from the Lord. God bless you today.